Small Radio Network. Your voice matters. Jump in. You know, I was, I was wondering, you know, if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like it, it, it makes me feel like a. Just run! 
Welcome, welcome to Mental Speed. Mental and Emotional Balance. You tuned in to Mental Speed. Middle Speak family, it is your host, Latani Davison, coming at you live from the Fishbowl Radio Network in Arlington, Texas. Hey, North Texas. Hey, world. Hey, fam. Hey, friends. Thank you so much for listening in today. I have um, preempted this show <laughs> for some of you. If you, you've been on the Middle Speak Facebook page, uh, you, you've seen that I'm, I'm like, the show's epic, epic, epic. I didn't know what I was taking on uh, when it was brought to me. Uh, <laughs> someone said, hey, there's this story. A, a gentleman named Rakim Balagoon, he, he was labeled the first, first black, let me make sure I get this right, the black identity extremist here in Dallas. And I'm like, okay, cool, I'll take on the story. I'll take on the story. No problem. I got this because I want everybody to have a voice. I want everybody to come in here and be able to speak their truth. So I start doing the research as I do with every show. I start researching the show and it goes a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. It's like this rabbit hole that I just started sliding down. And I thought this was just a state case. We'll come to find out it's actually it, it ended up being a. Uh, national case that actually went before the House. The House? Not the Senate, right? I think it was the House of Representatives. So it goes up and I'm I'm just doing the research. I, I find out that numerous media platforms had taken it on. I find out that um, it began with InfoWars, Alex Jones' channel, for those of you who are familiar. And so, I, I mean, it just kept expanding and expanding. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so much greater than than what I thought. And the timing couldn't be more perfect because I kept saying I want to level the show up and, and start to take it to another level. Um, and so here it is. <laughs> here it is. Uh, he is in the house. I have also invited the um, the chapter commander uh of the Black Gun Owners Association out of Fort Worth, uh Roe Brumfeld. He uh was a former guest on the show when we spoke about guns in America, so he's come back uh to kind of help us uh manage this discussion today. Um I I always preempt the show with a little bit of commentary and um you know disclaimers. And I do that because I I want to make sure that I shape, you know, the direction of, of what we're going to discuss. And I have a bigger purpose for the show. I tell you guys every week it's about mental and emotional balance. I tell you it's about getting your minds right, uh, getting our emotions right. And it's so cliche, and I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over. And so I want to paint a picture of, it, of what I'm trying to do. And since I don't have to reinvent the wheel, I got an analogy. And, and the universe is amazing because it, it hit me last night. So I have a son who loves Star Wars. And 
I wouldn't love Star Wars otherwise if I didn't have the son because I didn't get it, never understood it, never made any sense to me. So I have the son who's in love with it. And so we're watching Last Jedi last night. And um, for those of you, you know, don't get bored just yet because I'm going to help you to make sense of this, what we're dealing with and what I'm trying to do. So there's a part in the show or in the movie where uh, Luke Skywalker is explaining what the force is. And what you find out the force is, is it's it's the energy that moves through all of us. It's the energy that holds the universe together. And it's always looking for balance, right? Our bodies look for balance. Um, the pH of your body, the pH of the air, the water, every living thing looks to find zero, right? It wants to be whole and, and um, at equilibrium. And then there's, there's, there's forces working against that at all times that can take it out of balance, right? So you almost call it, it's a polarity, right? So you're always seeking uh, either the positive or the negative. That's electricity, that's energy. And what he says is like, it's, it's not good or bad, it just is. And how that applies to us as human beings is we, we're constantly in this battle looking for balance. That's all we're looking for, right? We don't know it, but it's, it's what we seek. There's times where you're just chilling and you're just sitting there and all is well, right? You're not worried about anything. You're not, you're not focused on nothing but just the being in the present. That's what we're talking about, right? The force is at balance. And so when things get out of balance, that's when you feel yourself getting stressed out. That's when you feel the emotions kick in. You feel yourself getting angry. You feel yourself uh, being afraid, right? And fear is usually one of the greatest indicators that you're out of balance, anger and fear. And as it relates to today's discussion, there is nothing but just an energy of fear going on in America. And so my understanding from everything that I've learned as a social worker, as a sociologist, is that everyone is looking <laughs> to overcome fear. You're either giving into the fear or you're, or you're overcoming it. You're facing it and you're dealing with it. And the only way to deal with it and the only way to face it is to discuss it, is to acknowledge it, is to be aware of it, to talk about it. And that's what I do here. Okay. If you've, if you've watched the show or if you've, you, uh, or you, you've listened into the show or this your first time, you can go back into the history and you'll find that I've talked to, uh, Mexican Americans, uh, black women, people with kids with special needs, people, um, just last week, uh, we did, uh, you know, issues in, in the workplace, uh, people who have come out as gay and they're living that struggle, uh, people with mental illness, all these different things showing that we're out of balance in some kind of way and we're just looking for balance. Okay. So that's what mental speak is about. I just wanted to kind of give you guys in, in, in shape what we're doing here today. Cause that way when fools want to come at me with foolishness, <laughs> like, what are you doing? You, you, you know what it is no different than today and this conversation. So I'm going to bring in my guests 
and we are going to discuss what is the right way, what is the expectation of the response in America from people who've been oppressed? Um, what is the proper way? You saw the flyer. I put it in quotes. What's the proper and expected way for people to respond after they've been living in oppression? And, you know, how do we how do we get perspective of why people do what they do uh, so that other groups don't have to live in fear? Right. That's where we're at. So let me introduce my guest to you today. Uh, I'm going to. So gonna <laughs> Rakim Kafre Balagun. It's truly an honor. Yes, I'm so no. It's an honor for me to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. And he just walked in the door. He is a chapter commander for the Black Gun Owners Association, Mr. Ro Brumfeld. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back. No, thank you for coming back. So. Um, I, we just got to kick this off. You you heard me t- saying I I wasn't aware of how heavy this was. Right, right. Let me preempt this. You've been cleared of all charges. Yes, yes, I'm good to go. I'm I'm clear from all charges. You know. Um, that was in November. Uh, when? well, yes, the indictment actually was in December. Okay. I'm sorry, January. January. Yes, I was arrested in December 12th, on December 12th. So when were you released from custody? May 3rd. So you just... Wow. You just got out. Yes. Okay. Okay, so we got a lot to chew on. We got a lot to chew on. Ro, why I asked you here is, you know, you're a staunch advocate for... Second Amendment rights. And so you're going to bring in that, you know, that perspective for us of making sense of when someone's in the right. Okay. Yes. And Second Amendment rights as it pertains to our people. Yes, it pert- yes sir. For sure. And so, and that, and, and I want to let uh, the listeners know, you, you've seen me cover most of the tribes. We got so many more to go, but particularly today, you know, I had not addressed the social and emotional mental health issues of black men. And so I think today was the perfect day to go into that with this story because um, I think there's this perception that you guys are what? What's the perception of black men in America? Um, I can truly say that the perception is that, you know, we're... um, one intimidating um two um depending on you know who perception it is you know if it if you're talking about the outside world from a non black perspective then you know we have the stereotype that's promoted in the media of our image of you know being very emotionally unstable um you know not focused you know not family based things of that nature. Um, I believe that our perception of ourselves, you know, vary based off the individual you speak to, you know. Um, You know, certain individuals, you know, that I speak to um, state Mm -hmm. that they have a pretty good uh, perception of black men. And then, you know, certain other individuals who are black, you know, may feel another way around. So, you know, you know, we have a 
a perception that's mainly promoted by the media, you know, by mm-hmm. TV shows, you know, you know, shows like First 48, you know, uh, shows like Cops, um, you know, not only that, but social media, these different uh, pages that um, are created on social media as well as online, uh, you know, websites such as uh, World Star Hip Hop, you know, exploits, you know, black men and, you know, our culture all together. And so then, you know, you have perception that Barack Obama put out, you know, so, you know, there there are definitely contradictions contradictionary forces when it comes to our image as black men you know it's it's like we're since we've been over here in the united states we've been battling to you know to establish a good a good image you know but at the same time we have law enforcement um as well as the media and so many um other um agencies who you know try their best to destroy our image bro the black man in america was the was the perception the collective perception. I mean, basically, the brother pretty much said it. I mean, ever since Birth of a Nation, it's the media have nothing but hammered, hammered, hammered this image that we're thugs, that we're angry, we're less than, dumb. I mean, in basic, I mean, it's the media, and if you see something and hear something over and over and over, eventually some, if you don't go and seek further information yourself, some tend to believe that themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we're battling... We have so many battles on so many different fronts, but I believe if you want to think of public enemy number one, public enemy number one, I would think is the media and those who those are that who control it. Right. And I, I feel I feel like this responsibility since I took on this radio show, you know, I I wanted it to have room to expand. I wanted it to be I mean, always going to be in the context of our wellness, always in the context of of. Um, everyone being able to speak their truth and their reality and and to make sense of it, to understand it, and then also for other people to be able to look and see and gain a new perspective instead of continuing that same erroneous media front. It is it, it, This is time for us to evolve, you guys. It's time. There's, there's no more. There's no more time for us to be uh, foolish. I can't think of, a, of another word. It's just foolishness and ignorance. And and we've willingly accepted it. So today, you know, let's break that down. Now, your ordeal, it it began. Now, did it begin with the InfoWars story? Because that's what it seems like in the timeline. Well, no, it didn't begin with InfoWars. I, I believe it began, you know, the moment I decided to, you know, to be an organizer. In, in general, okay. um, and um, and I think it officially began uh, when um, I co-founded the Huey P. Newton Gun Club. Yes, sir. And so uh, back in August 2014, and we, you know, started doing open carry um, patrols and uh, protests um, throughout Dallas and as well as in Austin and. Um, and you know, chapters start open up, you know, all over the country. Um, I believe that helped bring in the attention right. of you know federal government, and in particular, I believe it was a situation um, that was on April second, two thousand sixteen, where uh, armed white militia group uh, named Bear Bureau of Anti-Islamic Relations 
decide to come to South Dallas and protest uh, the mosque in South Dallas. Right. And which, you know, they kind of been on the road going to other um, non-African American mosques, you know, going to Arab, African, and just other mosques in general around the United States and intimidated them with open carry. And so, you know, this was their first time coming to a black community, and particularly they wanted to come to Dallas. And with the Huey P. Newton Gun Club, Club at that time being under, you know, a year, two years of um, existence, we felt like that was very important that, you know, we provide a, a safety environment for our community. And number two, um, to show bear that people from the community um, are armed, are armed and organized around firearms as well in our in our community, and we don't agree with that. And you know we're going to show that we're going to protest. You protest why you protest a uh, black institution in our community, who you have no reason to protest. You do not live in the community, anything of that nature. And so uh, on the day of the protest, because the initial date that Bear arranged. Due to the fact that they asked for police assistance of being escorted into a black community, um, particularly for no reason with arms, to protest a group that they're not too familiar with. Let me make that. Let me clarify. You said they were. They had police escort. Yes. Okay. Because what? So they, I make sure we heard that police. They had escort. What okay. they did initially. I'm sorry. What they did initially is pretty much plan you know, to come to the community and do a protest, on protest. Okay. Okay. But we showed our response and we had um, a liaison uh, reach out to them and try to discourage them that, you know, that's not something that the community wants, you know. And they knew the, su they knew the, um, the support that we had because they saw it on our social media pages and enforce us, you know, discussing it on our individual pages. Um, and so that's when they asked to get the police involved. Got it. And so, you know, the police escorted them, but not only the police escorted them, um, federal authorities was there. Um, they, you know, they was able to set up um, positions in high places using um, different optics and things of that nature to observe us. Mm. Wow. Okay. So that that's and and we're going to so what I would like to do is we're going to, you know, the the, the entire uh, discussion is going to incorporate obviously the second amendment um aspects of this. Um and I want us to to keep it under the umbrella of what <laughs> I came up with this with the other night. Okay, it wasn't me kind of me but I, at first I was thinking like okay remember when people would say well what would Jesus do right well what what would the forefathers have done or stated if people felt threatened in their community what would the expected response be from their perspective why is it that and the question that I had is why is it that you're considered we need I need you guys think of the words Black identity extremist. That's isn't it a domestic terrorism label? And, it's and considered. So it's yes. under Department of Homeland Security 
label. Right. Well, you know, the FBI um, coined this phrase and this um, classification. for this. Right. And so yes. any group, any federal agency group can, you know, use that as a motivation or, or maybe possibly um, can label or potentially label somebody. That. Right. And here, here's the scary part, you guys. And, and Ro, that was the word you used when we talked, when I brought it to you. It was like, this is scary. A lot of people uh, aren't aware. I'm, I'm an administrator for urban intellectuals, and um, I, uh, you know, so I had been a writer, and I would uh, have discussions with people. It's a large uh, media platform uh, that presents uh, black history, black economic stories, and uh, education, things like that. And so the, the things that I shared could have potentially labeled me under that at this point mm -hmm. but it didn't exist then and i think about that now i'm like what would have been the implications if i had gotten that label because you lost your home right tell, job. job tell us about the night that they came in it was uh it was 5 a.m in the morning 5 a.m in the morning yes. you were with your son yes i was with my son you know of course you know i was you know I was awoke, but somewhat halfway awoke, you know, because I just got up, turned the heat on, because I knew I was about to get around, start preparing for my day, um, and get my son up. And that's when I heard, you know, the crash uh, on the front door. Wow. You know, initially, I didn't know that it was in my apartment. I just heard a big crash um, from my bedroom. And, you know, I'm thinking, like, you know, is this next door? What's going on? You know, so, you know, my son, he responded a little bit faster than I did. And, you know, when I came out to the living room, he told me that, you know, the military was at the door. Oh, wow. And so, you know, I'm still confused just waking up. You know, I'm trying to figure out why would the military be at my door? Is it some martial law or is something happened over here while I was asleep? You know, so I'm just thinking it's a confusion. Maybe it's a, a drug raid on the wrong house, you know. And, you know, so, you know, I eventually, you know, the officers, they never, you know, breached the, they never breached the door, um, the threshold pretty much while I was in the apartment. Um, you know, they gave me an opportunity, you know, me and my son to come out on our own. So, you know, we came out and, you know, we was immediately placed in cuffs and, you know, held outside and pretty much in our underwear in third degree temperature at 5 a.m. on December 12th. Wow, yeah. You know, I'm still confused. I'm asking questions, you know, trying to get some, you know, intel on the whole situation why me and my son in cuffs. And, you know, they did confirm that they had a, it worn out for me, but um, they didn't confirm what would be the actual charge until um, I would say maybe an hour after the raid. The crazy part about this is um, you never made any threats. It states that you never, there was never a threat of violence. Never a threat at any of time. No, see, the thing about it is. I may have been vocal on my dislikes of police terrorism on black people, 
but I've never vocalized or even encouraged other people to attack police or anything of that nature. Now, I may not empathize with police officers being attacked, just like police officers don't empathize when they attack our people, you know, but I've never promoted, hey, um, you know, the best way to deal with police terrorism is for us just to get armed and start killing random police. That's not what I'm about. Right. If I was about that, we would have found out December 12th. Right. You know? Right. Um, well, I, you know, I'm pretty much an advocate for, you know, Second Amendment, um, self-defense, and self-preservation. You know, that's what I promote. Um, and also I promote, you know, people in the community doing it for self. Yes. You know, that means patrolling our own communities. Um, you know, trying to establish the culture that we feel like they exist, and you know, handling our own social and uh, our own social issues in general. Yeah. You know, um, but of course, you know, with this, with my charge, they tried to you know use anything that I've said on social media or I've said on video in general and try to you know create a narrative of a potential terrorist. It, it, it's it's scary. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have another word. Um, Roe, the word that you used when when I presented it to you was it's scary. I mean, absolutely, because if they could arrest his brother for that, heck, I'm next. You're next. Anyone who ha who voice the obvious concerns that that are affecting us today, if that if if he would have got convicted, they would have used that as case law. And it, we would have felt like dominoes. So when I when I first saw it, I didn't even know he was this close to us. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, hell. And so I started reading up on it. And the first thing that came to my mind was COINTELPRO 2.0. Yep. For, and it's it here, too. It's, uh, I mean. Let's, let's educate people on what COINTEL is. Because, or COINTELPRO. Because, you know, I didn't become aware of it myself until I was, you know, um, teaching. You know, I was teaching on certain topics and then I learned about it myself. It is where you had groups uh, in uh, the 60s, right? The, the, the groups that would, um, from the Black Panthers, um, Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, all the, all the historical stories that you know of. So what would happen is they would get infiltrated by people who seem to be empathizing with the group and then they would come in and just report on what the group was doing and then report back to the government. So it was basically an infiltration type of, of uh, program. And the, the, for those, you know, people want to be like, oh, it's conspiracy theories and all this stuff. The, the documents, the, the declassified documents are available for you to see. They're available for you to look you know, and, and, and be able to get that information that it, it occurred. It's real. So what Roe is saying, COINTELPRO 2.0, this would be the second wave, right? This would be that new wave of, oh, shoot, what's going on? And so this is why I titled this particular program, What is the What Do You Expect? And I'm talking to, to, to my nation, right? What do you expect the response to be after time, after people have not responded violently and people have not um, 
<laughs> I watched this video last night. Did you guys see the video of the man sitting in his car and the woman was standing in the doorway? Did just, you see that? Yes, yes, just, just, just like came she out. can do that. The, the boundaries. And he sat there. Calm. Calm. A lot more calm than I would have been. Very calm. I want to I wanna go to Colin Kaepernick. He just kneeled. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't march. He didn't, he didn't say anything. He just kneeled. What is the expected response over time when people have been feeling oppressed and been feeling like they're not heard? What's the expected response of you guys as black men? What's the expected response? About a year ago, I, I, I stooped not stupidly, just trying to be me. Used to go and I used to debate others on, on, on Facebook for whatever reason, getting heated debates, and I started seeing a pattern. And one of the patterns, when, I, when I've asked that question a million times, not one time could I receive a valid answer. Because, and that tells me, there is no answer. Not from them. There's an answer for us. We have, we, our answers gave us an answer a long time ago. But anything we do, we march, we kneel, we whatever, is not acceptable. So in other words, yeah. we're not supposed to, we're just supposed to take it. Yeah. According to them. Yeah. Rakim, what's the expected response? Um, you know, I think the natural expected response is resistance. Um, you know, any it's, it's just natural for any organism to resist its own destruction. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, the federal government and its cronies and, you know, just overall, you know, imperialism as a whole, you know, understand that, you know, people are oppressed in America and people are becoming not only oppressed, but more and more educated on history and, you know, current situations. The information moves a lot faster than what it used to move. And so, you know, um, they have to take that in consideration. You know, you know, Rodney King being, I'm sure the information of that spreading wasn't as fast as Mike Brown, you know, or Trayvon Martin. You know, we're, we're in the information age. And so even if you're not, you know, taught to be socially aware at home mm -hmm. or, you know, by your community or your peers, um, you know, you have no choice when you log in on Facebook or Instagram or go on CNN or MSNBC and see how people constantly getting slaughtered on live TV and not only that but have to listen to the rhetoric of these different personalities discuss it and have no value for our people or no empathy for you know lost lives you mm -hmm. know especially lost lives that did not um, do anything to warrant um, their death right. and so you know that that's a when you see that I don't care if you're not that you know, socially conscious or anything of that nature, you know, any black human um, male or the majority of us will have some type of frustration or discomfort mm -hmm. from viewing that. And so naturally, you know, after seeing that over a prolonged time, due to the fact that information moves so fast and we have information at our fingertips, 
it, it reminds us every single time and it makes us more aware, it makes us more conscious and it makes us more resistant and it makes us more desperate Yeah. based off the information. Because, you know, like they say, ignorance is bliss. Mm-hmm. If I'm if I don't know that our people are getting gunned down these streets and mowed down in the courtrooms and then as a black man living in America, I won't be concerned about that. And I won't even um, be to um, resistance to it, even for my own right. um, welfare. But, you know, every time we see these situations, when we see these black men, women and children get gunned down or manhandled um, it was excessive force by police, by hyper masculine thugs, you know, these different individuals can, one of them reminds you of a family member, one of them reminds you of a classmate, of a son, of a mother, or, or a father, and, and, and these people, they, they, they serve with these roles in life, mm-hmm. and you know, it's taken away, so when me being a father, you know, naturally having a son and a daughter, that's that's out there and we'll be um, embarking on being an adult and we'll have to deal with law enforcement in the future you know it makes me you know very intimidated and makes me in in a in a hastily way want to you know change the conditions and i love that you you use the word resistance because that's the, again that's why i I use the analogy of, of Star Wars and how it explains the what the, the what this energy is, what the force is. It's th- this the resistance, right? You see this power coming to take your power, seeking to dominate your power, and like you said, the resistance is no, I have to exist. Now, mind you, again, these energies are not good or bad; they just are. Right. They just they just are what they are. As we begin to understand what they are, then that's how we do differently. I had a show on uh, with white males when we looked at their mental health. This was uh, what, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago. And the what I said to them is what I say to you guys. I believe that there are things as men, as males that you're going to find that line up doesn't matter what color your skin is that men are protectors men are the logical pole the more logical pole of of our sexes and you guys are going to look for a way to solve problems when you're put in a position to where you can't solve a problem you feel inadequate you're expected to stand down. You're expected to do the opposite of what you're wired to do. Would you agree? Yes, I definitely agree. And the emotional response is anger. Other people are in fear, and it puts you in anger because when you're in fear, go back to that Star Wars, what, what are they looking to do? Control. You have to control what you fear. Because if I control what I fear, then I can, I can be sure of the outcomes, right? So I I know that if I'm afraid of this particular energy, and and we're gonna we're gonna label them, we're gonna say it's black men, and I'm afraid of them. The only way I know I can handle my fear of them is if I if I control what they do, 
And so I think that's what, what the approach is. And I want to say overall, that you, you guys, you love, we, we love the country, right? We love what, what it is. I mean, we love, in a sense, the, 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 all the things that it stands for, for being able to come and be free and make your way and, and, and do what you do. Right? Correct? I mean, will we agree? Um, I like the, uh, pretty much I like the, you know, I like that what the country represents. You know, I don't, I think our biggest issue. Uh, yeah, the ideal. The yeah, ideal. Yeah, the ideal. Oh, I, yeah, and that's what yeah, I'm speaking I'm right. on. I'm not, I'm not saying the state oh, yes. of what it is. Yes. I'm saying, because I want to make sure that people that are listening are not saying like, because you know it's going to come. Uh, you don't like America, blah, blah, blah. That's a whole other show. But <laughs> but the point being is that at the root of this, we want ideally what everyone else wants. Right. We, we, we definitely just want the um, power to determine our own destiny. That's it. Exactly. Just like all other people. You know, exactly. Marcus Garvey said every man should be a king in his own land. Which is what it was set up for. Exactly. You know, but unfortunately, that's not the situation that we live in as um, African people here in the United States of America. Yeah. You know, and so just being we, honest. we struggle. Well, you know, as black people, we struggle to be able to just to have the same opportunities as everybody else here. And that's this is what this whole struggle is about. Me being arrested, you know, this whole B.I.E. is 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 a, it's just the. Um, the, it's pretty much the representation of our struggle and the contradiction of forces of black people who are oppressed, who no longer wants to be oppressed and to want to um, evolve out of our situation to a better situation. Because, hey, that's what um, we've been t been hearing the whole time since we've been over here in the United States. You know, that's why our, our grandparents were sold on that, you know, society would change. Yeah. You know, and society does make changes. I, I won't say that. But it don't make the changes that are necessary, and it don't make it in the speed that, it's, that it needs to be made in, you know. Ro, you and I have talked at, at length about, at times, I always, you know, my term, the tribes. I want, us to, I want us to be honest. Let's acknowledge the fear. Let's acknowledge the fear, because we got to be real, right? That's what we're doing. We're laying it all out. Let's not ignore the fact why are people afraid of you? Why, why, are, why are other tribes afraid? What are they afraid of? What do they fear? Honestly, I think they fear revenge. I mean, we've been at this since 1916, or really before then. And, and I'm not a black woman, too, but I'm, I'm speaking from no, this personal is for experience. Men. I wonder for the men today. Every single day since 1916 is documented. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's, this is normal. We've been everything. I mean, breaking the book, redlining. Just, yeah. I mean, I could sit here and 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 read off a list all day. This happens daily. We're twelve times more apt to be tried as an adult. Five times more likely to go to jail for the same crime. This is documented, and we are given reasons every day why we should unite. Every day, every day. So this is not. Oh, you just pulling the race card. Oh, you just this that, and the other. No, this is every day. We're getting killed every day. Yeah. We're getting something that's happening to us that doesn't happen in any other race every day in yeah. America. And a big part of my job is, uh, you know, I think with with this platform and what I do is to to bring, you know, the the logical sense to 
what it is and what that fear is. And, um, you know, I really appreciated when I when I had on uh, John Brown, I had on John Brown, Ken Brown, Shane York. And uh, John Brown specifically stated that um, he's like, look, you know, and I think Ken mentioned it like our forefathers created this <laughs> like this condition, this situation that we're living in. And, you know, as white men, the, the sins of the father have fallen on them and they're having to live in the outcome of the generations before them. And so what I hope this does is where everyone just speaks the, the honesty you know, you know, be honest and lay it out on the table. I think what we're asking of of tribes that have this fear, like be honest with yourself. Stop denying and living behind anger. I I was talking with my my son's um, jujitsu uh, professor today, and she she was so poignant, and she said, "They want you guys just invisible. They just want you to just go away." Just be quiet. Shut up. You know, you're lucky we let you live and work here. <laughs> you know, like, can you just be quiet already? Stop. And and that's where the anger comes from because when you go to speak it, that it, it's, it's like this rage that comes up. It's like, shut, you know, what's your problem? You always bring stuff up. And I love that John Brown, he did, he said it. He said, listen, maybe it's time to listen. Maybe it's time for us to just hear. And so I'm speaking to those listeners that, you know, if you feel in that rage and that anger right now, check that. Check that energy. And also acknowledge the fact it's okay to be afraid. You're, you're afraid of the unknown. Do you agree with Roe that they fear revenge? That there's a fear of revenge? Yes. I, I, I do feel um, I, in, any person, uh, any individual that I've wronged, you know, Historically, if they walked in this room, I, I would feel that there's a potential uh, of revenge. And, you know, I think that's natural as well. You know, um, I think the main fear from just this, just my perspective. I think the main fear of modern day, it's not that their ancestors did it, you know, 100, 200 years ago, but um, it's that they still benefit from it currently, mm -hmm. right now, as yeah. we're speaking. Yeah, and they know it. Yes, and we're and we're the opposite. Yeah. We're we're getting the the, the wrong end of it at, right. today as we speak. Right. That and that was brought up too. That there's the, the privilege, that not being able to acknowledge the privilege of it. Right. That that that, and and you have to you have to say like. Any time there's been a war waged against another nation, another land, another people, there's benefits. There's benefits to the the country that Destroy, did the colonizing. The yeah, you get the the booty. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, you get it all. You you win, and people are not viewing this as it is a war. It's a it's a, and it's it, follow me. Follow me on that. I want to go back to my Star Wars analogy. When I have to control what I fear, I have to declare that thing that I fear a danger at all times. That thing is dangerous to me. It's going to hurt me. And, and oh, my God, look, it has weapons. <laughs> now we do. It, it has weapons. And if it has weapons, 
Now it's the, oh, you know what? How do we do this? Okay, we need laws. We need laws. We need labels. We need laws. You got that? Labels and laws. That's how you control the perceptions and that's how you control the actions. Now I can make sure that that, that thing can be controlled. And go, to go even further, it may even have to just destroy it. Right? So there are people that have in their minds this, this thought of destruction. It isn't just, hey, stay separate from us. It's like, just get rid of them. I don't want to see them. Lock them up. Do what you do. Um, you guys speak out. You pick up a weapon. Oh my God. See? Look, I told you. I told you. They're dangerous. Get them. And that's what we're living under and it needs to end. But it's only going to end when we come to the table. Anyone agree? I agree. It's <laughs> something that we, you come mentioned on, about fear. If you if you notice, if you ever if you go to social media, if you go to the internet, and you Google or whatever a well-established black organization, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, whatever, whatever the case you be, you look at their mission statement. Now you go to a white, a white uh, group, you go to their their websites, you go to their forums, and you see the difference. We we practice mainly one or two things, either unity. Or economic development. Yes. Now there's a lot of other things in there, but it basically boils down to that. As far as where that's my passion. You see, everything is hate. Yeah. Domination. Yeah. This is our land. This is our Spread legacy. Spread blood. Spill yes, blood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you you won't control. I mean, all that. So if you actually scratch the surface, you see who the problem is. We're reaction. Everything that we're doing, everything that I'm doing, is is to defend ourselves. Right. Anything in their office. If you got, you saw the article yesterday. There was, there was a marine going around to different white uh, white supremacist camps and training their camps. The the Parkland person trained at a camp. So there are actually camps operating as we go. But I don't see the uh, W uh, I E uh, title. I, I've never seen anybody get arrested for that. But there are actually camps right now training to for. for Destruction, right? Trying to be superior, very much so. So now, look. So you guys know, it's two-hour show can only get so much in a two-hour show. Um, we got to talk about how the case ended up in the Senate. I'm gonna say House Judiciary Committee. Tell me her name again. What was the 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 representative that went in? She went in on the FBI. Um, her name. We, we're gonna pull it up. Oh, I know. De- Democratic you know Senator Karen Bass. That's her. She went in, and we. I want to. I want to break that down a little bit because what she's what she pointed out is that again, you just came up with this label. That was what. Tw- that was November, right? That was just. I believe was it I want, August two thousand seventeen. It was twenty seventeen. Before we knew about it. Before it anyone knew about it. This is what people have to understand. The the paper, the report had been twenty fifteen, twenty sixteen. They get a hold of it, and the question was, wait a minute, hold up. You mean to tell me you just created this, and you've been escorting and watching that go on you've been watching all this and then all of a sudden that's why this is so profound fam because he is the first person to ever receive that label like it had not even they had the report and then they labeled it remember what I said laws and labels right because when something looks like it's going to be a threat but you're hearing here 
you're hearing people just responding and saying, look, I've, you know, I've been under oppression. I've been oppressed. There's ways that I want to respond that have nothing to do with violence. And I can't even do that. Can't even do that. So uh, we're going to tear into that. We're going to, Roe is going to, you know, uh, express us, educate us quite a bit on the Second Amendment. Um, We're definitely not done yet. I'm so, like, I'm stoked. This, tell you, man, this is, um, took it up. You're listening to Middle Speak on the Fishbowl Radio Network.
show on the fishbowl radio network i am your host latonya davison and uh sitting in today on a pretty pretty epic show they've all been epic i don't want to undermine anybody that i've had on everybody's amazing that's been on the show uh it's just you know we've taken the discussion to a i guess i would say like a greater level greater greater level um because it's at national uh, headlines. And sitting in with me today is Rakim Kafre Balagoon and Ro Brumfeld. 
uh, chapter commander of the oh, I'm, I'm going to get it Black Owners Scout Association and um, Rakim I'm going to have you um, kind of give us a little background in the organizations that you're a part of uh, before we get out of here so people can know who you are and what okay. you okay um, what I want to do is kick off this hour with you know, the, in the first hour, we talked about, you know, just the, the perceptions of black men in America. And a big part of what I wanted, you know, my goal for this show is to let people speak uh, from their reality. And uh, no matter the reality, I've had on um, every group. Um, so I would love for someone to come. <laughs> come at it and say you haven't been fair well you know there's only 52 weeks in a year I haven't had a chance to talk to everybody somebody's hit me up about you know Asian families and mental health haven't got to it yet there's there's so much to cover uh, but when a story comes uh, like this I've I gotta jump on it the, the reason it weighs so much is because I feel that men as a whole I've for those who don't know, I've worked as a mental health social worker with uh, adolescent boys. And so I saw, saw a lot of social issues and emotional issues specific to young men. And so naturally, I'm going to you know, think on the wider scope, well, what happens to those boys when they grow up? And I'm, you know, and I'm a black woman, so obviously I'm going to look out and, and see amongst my tribe that there's there's issues, there's people not being able to have a voice, right? And so, you know, that was part of what I was going for when I interviewed the the white men three weeks ago. I'm like, people need a voice, people need an outlet. Each tribe has its own struggles. No one here is is wanting to say that. Their struggle is, uh, you know, it's not a compare. It's not a comparison game, and I think that's what ends up happening. Is, you know, I hate when I hear people say, you know, well, well what about what happened to me? Well, look, we're not. You know, you wouldn't do that if somebody had bone cancer and another person had, uh, you know, breast cancer. Well, mine's worse than yours. N no one's here doing that. What we're saying is, each tribe. Each group, each demographic of human beings has a struggle. And all humans, as Rakim stated, is we are looking for self-preservation and, and protection and safety. And and how the Second Amendment plays into this is that, you know, people want to say that the, the founding fathers, uh, that you know they established the second amendment as a protection from from the government well if that applies you know then or or for in foreign enemies right anybody that means to do you harm you have these gun laws and we're going to get into that here shortly why is it that when people enact their rights that they're considered terroristic and then especially if we're comparing, there are groups that have been terroristic with their behaviors. We won't even go into history. That's a whole other show. <laughs> but they got a history of being terrorists towards black people or towards, towards people of color, towards their own people. You know? And my goal is, is to let's put it on the table. Let's get real about it. Let's not deny it. Let's not shy away from it. That's That's been a big problem for us. Okay? So... 
getting back to this discussion, this story with Rakim, uh, basically what happened is the this report, this black identity extremist report, went into the House of Representatives. And uh, Representative Karen Bass out of California, she uh, she took on the FBI and and she she went at the director and she was like, basically, what is this? This report came out in September. It was leaked. And she has some questions. <laughs> she has some questions. Uh, let's talk about it. Right. Kim, she took him to task. Most definitely. Um well, you know, she she definitely she questioned AG about, you know, why that there was a black identity extremist and not a white identity extremist. And based off the statistics, I'm sorry, um, you know, white people are more likely to be terrorists. And, you know, um, of course, you know, AG. You know, he was very lethargic. You know, he was pretty much like a, a deer in headlights, the way he, you know, responded. Um, and just like you said earlier when we discussed this, um, you know, um, he, he really didn't have a response, you know, because, you know, the age, the attorney general does not have to know everything that's going on within the FBI, even though he oversees the FBI. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, so um, he was able to evade the, the question. So he, yeah, I, I, I watched the video and it was like, it was crazy because he was like, oh, <laughs> like, I have no, basically no answers for you. And what the concern is that um, this was the first time uh she stated that I don't believe black identity extremists exist and I believe the FBI should retract um, the FBI should retract the document and she said send out a document throughout law enforcement saying that black identity extremists do not exist uh, her committee wasn't provided any information explaining how the category was, was even created so that's what where the COINTELPRO kind of thought process came up that it was like this black ops kind of thing right exactly correct so you know in in all of that um just you have <laughs> we were talking on the break that's so one thing about this show is like amazing things happen when we're talking on the break uh it, it what what happens is more information comes out that's that we don't get to catch um we said that you had to bear the brunt you had to be the i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna use the word because it's provocative but you were like the whipping boy you were like yeah. the dude who got put on the post and then they tied your hands and then they made everybody stand around and then and then they were like now Right. Y'all look at this and, and see this is this is why we don't do, you know. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely uh, understand, yeah. you know, why you would say that because, uh, you know, for us, you know, the, for us, the federal government being this aggressive about their overreach of, you know, prosecuting me and, and getting me indicted, you know, I'm the only person that's 
a um, activist right. that they went this far recently, you know, within, you know, the modern day network. It's been a minute. It's you been know. a minute. Well, you know, we have had a situation where, act, you know, where they're able to get activists, maybe on state charges or um, something that had nothing to do with um, the movement. But with my situation, um, the things that they used to indict me had a lot to do with the movement. The things that they used at my bun hearing, you know, um, while I was in court, um, because, you know, just for those who don't understand the process of being arrested, you know, the first step, especially in federal, right. uh, by a federal agent and, and with federal courts, you know, most people, you know, who catch a fed case, you know, they're either, let's just say vaguely speaking, a, a felon get pulled over and driving in Dallas with a firearm and police you know, run his information and see that he's a felon. Um, he locks, you know, he locks him up. He goes to Lou Sterrick. He mm -hmm. take him in. He book him in, things of that nature. Uh, then the feds, probably after a few weeks of them being there, will uh, pick up the case and have that um, inmate moved from Lou Sterrick to a federal institution. They have about five of them within you know, around Dallas County area and housed them there. Well, with me, I was arrested and and pretty much had to go do my bun through the federal um, courts versus um, the state courts. In the federal courts, they are more likely to deny you bun versus the state. Uh, let's just say hypothetically speaking, the feds never picked up the charge but the state charged me with it mm -hmm. I would have been able to get bun oh, you know okay, I see. But yeah. the feds you know um, they can use any type of reason because what gives them the ability to do that is that they have a limited amount of resources uh, a federal prosecutor you know has a lot of resources a lot of money they, they can invest a lot of money for us prosecuting somebody, investigating somebody in the state, you know, is less um, prosecutors and they're overwhelmed with a whole bunch of cases and they don't have as many resources. Got it. You know, so um, all the federal prosecutor had to do was prove that I'm a potential threat to society. And so, you know, they used the Alex Jones video. Wow. Me, uh, <laughs> Which was uh, total propaganda. Yes. To to oh, say man. that hey, you guys go watch guy that video. Killing for police, and wow. he's a threat to society. Even though his charge is not, you know, hurting anyone, you know, just based off of this. Even though it's not related to the case, yeah. at all. The things that we're able to find on social media, you know, i.e., Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, mm -hmm. are things we can use to keep him in jail right while he fight his charge yeah and what i would ask of people what i want people to do i'm i'm i always tell people like i stay away from uh you know i i look at i look at headlines and news as much as i need to do research but again for balance i stay away from it right i stay away from that because it leads to that imbalance so 
But what I what I want people to do is to look at the different platforms that the story was told on. So you got Foreign Policy put it out, Dallas Magazine, uh, Infowars, uh, Ebony Magazine, The Roots. You, you got a Wikipedia page, dude. Like, <laughs> this is hardcore. Um, USC, like, go to different platforms. I think there's a Far Left Watch website. And just read how what propaganda is on any level is telling the story from one perspective as I always tell you on this show there are universal perspectives right we are polar so we're going to see this or that where we evolve is in recognizing that there's going to be infinite ways to look at any one situation but if you go to these different websites you're going to see how the story is told now you go to you know obviously if you go to an alt-right type of website you're gonna he's he's a terrorist right he he's uh he is a person who is just he wants to take out white people he's ready for war i read the comments on the the youtube channel this is the and this is the foolishness that i get to speak truth to power stop stop what are you doing <laughs> you are you are expressing your fear. We get it. You're scared. There's nothing to fear here. There's a person who is seeking balance, right? What you got? Oh, I thought. Well, sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, come on. I, I do have two questions for you, brother. Mm -hmm. What was your charge? What did they actually say you were charged with? Uh, they charged me illegal possession of a firearm. Okay. And so, um, and so how my you know political activism what that has to do with the case you know how that got brought in you know was uh, obvious of the, it was pretty much the elephant in the room right you know this wasn't about him uh, potentially uh, being prohibited to possess a firearm this is about you know him being an activist right and right they tried to use uh, a bogus uh, assault charge from 2005 when I was like 20. Right. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, at that time I I was fresh out the Marine Corps. Hoorah! 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 Simplified devil dog. Oh well. Oh well. You know what Marine stands for? Just saying. Y yes, my Navy. ass rides in Navy equipment. <laughs> Go Navy. Okay, as you were. You <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just, yeah, we are. We're just Department of the Navy. We're just That's the right. men's department. Department of the Navy. You just had to remind just We're the men's department. Y'all just our Uber. <laughs> Y'all okay. our Uber. Took you where you needed to go. Just right. saying. Just saying it all. But please, gentlemen, continue. Sorry. Well, <laughs> yeah, so um, I kind of got lost while I was saying. I'm so sorry. You you were, you were had bogus charges from yeah. uh, Tennessee. It was yeah, Tennessee, so, correct? Yeah, so uh, it was a situation um, that did not have, uh, it was a situation that did not have an element of violence that the police was saying that had an element of violence. Well, the I'm sorry, not the police. Let me be exact. The federal agent and the prosecutors were saying had an element of violence that didn't. You know, and so pretty much when I was initially indicted, you know, my attorney 
you know, immediately told me like, hey, man, you know, we're going to um, get you off this charge because it's no reason why they're saying that you should be prohibited of having a firearm. And so we had to argue that uh, my previous offense that prohibited me from um, having a firearm, which is not a felony, did not have an element of violence. Right. You know, and so um, we argued that in court. Um, you know, the judge did his reconnaissance and he wrote a 33 um, page order of why he supports, uh, you know, the, pages. Yeah, the okay. indictment being um, dismissed in terms. There know. it is. OK. So and it looks like uh, Congresswoman Bass, she uh, spoke at USC. She uh she spoke to it uh, February 2nd, so that was this year, and she wanted to raise awareness about that document. She said she's concerned that it will lead to police violence against young black activists. Um, she said it's a very important discussion about law enforcement, intelligence capabilities, and the implications for issues of equity and civil liberties. So the ability to be able to speak out about uh, police brutality, basically what, what the listeners, what I need you to understand is what has been done is... It has to be illegal for you to speak out against any kind of oppression, right? Um, that is dangerous. The, the, words, the words are dangerous, but what we're here to lay out is that, no, speaking on it, that's where the healing is. Everybody's wanting balance. Yeah? Roe, ro, look Most to the sky. Most of us wants balance. We're still in the same position that we are right now. I'm, I'm because, with you. I'm okay. with you. I'm with you. I'm going to say it like this. I think subconsciously they want balance. I'm saying everything is seeking, and I take to the metaphysical, but we all seek balance. They don't realize that they're living in fear and out of balance. At the end of the day, all the tribes are here in America living together. There's the expectation that there's going to be rough patches right the, the history here has not by no means been smooth and the and the way to getting back to equilibrium is not going to be smooth but it's smoother if you use your mind and you get out of your emotions that's my work right that's what i do my my work is pointing out the fact that you you're operating fully out of a fear-based response your fight or your flight you're looking for an enemy you're looking for someone to be the cause of your fear uh you're 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 in danger mode you're in a heightened danger mode because you've been conditioned to be that way through propaganda that is the whole purpose of those visual uh perspectives is to put you in a heightened state of fear and from that heightened state of fear now everything's a threat and you don't even know it i guarantee you you will have much more peace if you if you find yourself living under this fear you're going to have far more peace if you start to try to understand where someone is coming from and what their response is and that's why i titled this what is the proper response what what do you what would you do Forget about what the founding fathers would do. Forget about what Jesus would do. What would you do if you were in a situation where you're constantly being told to shut up, sit down, accept your lot, accept what's being given to you? I'm just saying. You know, is that far off? So, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, um, you know, with, you know, with this whole situation, 
we just have to understand that, you know, um, everybody has, you know, everybody has a responsibility. And, you know, I definitely understand that, you know, everybody may not be as, in this country may not experience the same situation I experienced mm-hmm. with, you know, the FBI. You know, they, I'm sure they, they have historically put white people on terrorist watch lists before and things that nature. I'm sure the ones that they put on there was probably justified or probably not justified. But, you know, what, what we have to understand that, you know, just like Martin Luther King said, you know, a threat to justice anywhere. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. injustice right. anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, no matter, you know, what race that person is, you know, it can happen to anybody. Any type of um, tyranny that this government does, no matter if it's a black person or a white person, we should be bothered. You know, I remember before I got arrested, it was a video that went viral of a white man being executed by police officers. And, you know, he was on his knees and they was giving him commands, but he was so nervous and afraid that he failed to 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 perform the, the command in the exact way. And they killed that guy. That's one of the worst ways to die. And when I saw that, mm-hmm. it hit home. Everybody felt that. Yes. It hit home. Yes. Especially me being a black man. If I know what they'll do to a black man and they're doing this to a white man. Yeah. And so, you know what they'll do to me on camera. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, that bothered me. Yeah. When I heard, when I heard about that um, white woman in California, I believe it, it was like in 2011, 2010, um, she was driving. Um, she was under the influence of uh, marijuana, which, you know, California um, it, it, at that time was medical, medicinalized. Right. Um, she pulled over and, you know, was just taking a rest. And, you know, police pulled over, gave her a hard time, you know, and, and end up, you know, tasing the older white lady. And due to her age, she had cardio issues and died from the taser wow. you know that that hits home because that can happen if it happened to an old white woman and this you know one especially the most privileged of privileged you know a white and woman you know it can happen to anybody and yeah. and and so you know white people should feel the same way you know and we have seen the federal government go after white organizations you know especially um during the um, 1940s 1950s during the whole communist scare the mm-hmm. whole red yeah. right. um, witch yeah. hunt and things that nature, you know, they locked a lot of people, a lot of white people up. For, I'm talking about life sentences for a crime, uh, what they call a crime, with no victim. Yep. Just for having a, a socialist ideology. Yeah. You know, um, they went after, they didn't care how wealthy the people were, you know, and it was, you know, a straight up witch hunt. You yeah. know, America is known for its witch hunts. And, you know, h- historically, and why should we expect anything to be different now? Right. You know, there will always be new witch hunts. Yeah. You know, America is known for uh, also, you know, like you said, fear, you know, of creating an enemy. You know, we, you know, it's, you know, they, it's like, 
you know, they create all these different en enemies and, and even, you know, like groups like ISIS, ISIL, who gave them that name? You know, did America give them that name or did they give themselves this name? You know, right. Right. who labeled them as terrorists? What, what make them as terrorists? Like, for example, they, they have the Hamas group, the Hamas group out of um, Israel for, you know, the Palestinian mm -hmm. um Political group that's about Palestinian rights because they're the indigenous. Well, I wouldn't say indigenous, but they was the people that was in Israel prior to the Jews coming and uh, kicking them out to the Gaza Strip and practicing Zionism. Yeah, you know, and all this group does is works for the rights of Palestinians. Right. You know, in yeah. which and the yeah, IDF is very hyper masculine. So. You know, it has a, a reputation like America, yeah. you know, and so, you know, this group is a group of defense yes. and this group is labeled as a terrorist, yeah. you know, so that's based off of fear. I know? always think of um, and, and I always I love going to Hollywood. I love going to Hollywood for the depictions because the, the movie Avatar. You recall the movie Avatar, recall that they went to this planet to look for these resources and they found the, this resource that was you know it, it was rare and it could power I mean, all these movies you, you look at it there's always a resource that is found it's uncovered right vibranium whatever it is and you you come in right <laughs> you come in for the resource and there's people there there's people that have been living there for generations they've been colonized and then the people say look we don't like this this ain't cool. We've been here. Our our ancestors have been here. Let's 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 deal with this, right? Whoa, 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 whoa! What what are what are you doing? And that and, and then they were they're called uh, they're called um, savage, barbarian, barbaric, mm -hmm. right? Because the response is again self preservation. People seek and desire to exist. I I, I really do believe again as I you know led into the show that yes i i understand the yin and yang i understand this this equilibrium seeking and the, and the fighting that goes on it's just a part of nature it's a part of what is this is this is what the universe is about but we're at a point in time in our life where we need to figure out what's going on so that our response is not so it doesn't have to be Violent. It doesn't have to be. It's taking uh, us to recognize what has been, uh, what's been the outcome of being colonized. What's been the outcome of being oppressed. And I'm asking of people to consider what do you think people are going to do after generations, after time has passed, and they've been told to stand down and sit down and shut up, and they've been labeled all these lies and these erroneous titles and and you know how long do you expect someone to just receive it and there not to be a response and what I want people to take away from today's show is that the response was never intended to be a violent response that was never the intent the intent correct the intent was always to be listen I need to speak out and speak my truth of my reality most definitely um, you know, you know, the thing about this is, you know, there shouldn't have been fear from the federal government, any legitimate fear. Mm -hmm. um, 
And, you know, the reason why. Well, are they just, let me ask you this, though. Are they just doing their jobs, though? If their job is to oppress, you know, to keep a community um, disorganized and to uh, oppress a particular demographic or a class or a race, then yes, then they, they are were doing, doing their, their job. job. You know, if their job is to protect the safety of taxpaying people, then no. You know. Well, that's what I always tell people that that's really, you know, again, that's another show. But what the question is, and Ro and I have talked about this, if they're doing their job, that's at what point do we say to ourselves, okay, that's they're doing their job. How long are you going to resist that? And and am I making sense? That that re that resistance that's created to resist something that is doing what it's created to do. Right now. This is where I think it answers the question, what is the expected response? And this is where I believe our power lies. And I know that we've been attempting, you know, certain groups. Now, let's talk about your group. Um, you you advocate for uh, self-sustainment and um, uh, group economics and things of that such, correct? Um, yes. Yes, I do. Um, you know, I'm a part of an organization called um, Gorilla Mainframe. It was started in 2008 here in Dallas, Texas. Um, it was started by two gentlemen, um, Yafeo Balagoon and, and Chairman Eric um, Balagoon. Um, and the, that organization pretty much functioned as a the arms and legs of the Dallas community. Um, we 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 pretty much operated um, through different programs that provided resources to the community. We had a holistic health program where, you know, we talked about holistic health, talked about, you know, healthy dieting and healthy cooking, and actually, you know, taught classes in, you know, like Pleasant Grove and, you know, different projects and things of that nature to, you know, moms and um, different households on, you know, how to live healthy. Yeah. Um, in that same community, you know, had a, a pretty uh, bad drug problem. And so, um, of course, you know, uh, crime was pretty high because you got people selling drugs, you got people doing drugs, and you know what comes along with that. And so, you know, we organized an armed patrol for that property. You know, because, you know, there'll be drug selling in front of, you know, kids, little children, um, you know, shooting, things that nature. So we, we wanted to take control of that property as a whole. We wanted to provide a safety, a, a safe environment. And that's you know. in the and that's in the order of groups before you, like the Black Panthers, that where people as, always assume that it was like this anti, you know, primarily anti-government and and anti-white, and that's not the case. More than anything, the the primary focus is on developing and protecting your own community mm -hmm. without even having to require. It's almost like you're not even depending on the the local. Um, the local governments or the federal government, you're, that's taking responsibility for your own community, right. which is what has been asked, correct? Right. Yes. Um, but the, it was the arms right. that becomes the problem. Because, right. Yeah. Well, you know, at that time, you know, we didn't have any problems with police. Okay. Um, 
you know, we was within our Second Amendment right, which, like, we always are. And, you know, due to the fact that our focus was on fracticide, which is black-on-black crime, okay. dealing with um, neighborhood disputes, domestic disputes, drug dealing. Because, you know, you know, one of the things we pushed in Gorilla Mainframe we want cops to be held accountable. You know, they 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 take an oath. You know, uh, to protect the Constitution, and they're paid by public dollars that right. come out our paychecks to protect us. And you know, that same bullet that we pay them to purchase, they use to kill us. Whew. Not only that, but people, you know, black on black crime is. You know, a big issue as well. But the thing with black on black crime, no, nobody, the thugs on the street that kills another black person, I I don't pay this person to do that. Right. You know, you wow. take money away from me to 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 practice tyranny. Wow. You know, so at that time we focus on the community. Um, we we also had other programs where we provided school supplies um, yearly to that community. Uh, we provided. Um, you know, clothing, you know, around when it gets cold around October, you know, we uh, we do co um, coat drives. We go give out coats because we'll see, you know, children walking to school, you know, 40, 30 degrees outside with no ja no jacket, just a T-shirt, things that nature. So, you know, pretty much what we was trying to do is be an example to the community exactly how it should operate on its own. And we was able to get people who live in that community to get involved in our programs, you know, for it to yeah. function. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, moving on, you know, we was able to, um, you know, um, start the Huey P. New and Gun Club in 2014 All with right. the New Black Panther Party um, here in Dallas and, um, and with um, the Black Riders as well mm -hmm. out there in California. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Black Riders Liberation Party. Um, you know, we started um, passing out propaganda, educating the black community on their Second Amendment rights, and you know the positive uh, propaganda. Exactly. You know, <laughs> um, yeah. How to you know purchase a firearm? What are the rights? You know, because you know I, I spoke with an attorney today, um, and you know she was asking me, uh, "Was your guns registered?" and did you have a um, did you have a permit and I was you know and I was educating her you know she was a federal attorney I was like you know in the state of Texas I do not need no registration for no firearm and only way I need a permit if I need to open concealed carry in a public area you know outside of my vehicle or or, or, or home you know um, so you know a lot of people they they, they don't really understand that. And so when they see, you know, black men with guns, mm -hmm. you know, they they assume that, you know, we're not, you know, caring responsibly. Yep. You know, they're assuming that we're not educated on the firearms. And they have no problem me carrying the firearm when I was in Ramadi. Wow. Wow. Uh, and know, this so is why I have Roe to come sit in, because Roe... As chapter commander of the Black Gun Owners Association, and he was on. I urge you guys to go back to the uh, Guns in America show. What month was that, Ro? I don't even remember. Was April. it April? It was in April. I think it was April second or something. Go back to that show. 
using guns responsibly. You are teaching responsible gun use and ownership. Yes. Period. We're um, we're number one. We have a we have a quote. We're gonna shoot once a month. Uh, our gun club. We're gonna go out there responsibly. We're gonna teach how to clean, properly handle, and also situational awareness. Like a police officer cannot just come and ask you for your ID just because you're carrying a firearm. That's illegal. I mean, not illegal, but that he has to you expected of a crime. He getting ready to arrest you. Due you, process. You witnessed yeah, a crime. Just cause. Something like that. But just because you're walking down the street carrying a firearm, he cannot just come. Now, he'll give you the, well, someone called and uh, there was a call in. Freedom of Information Act. Know you're right. Know to go and look and see if there was actual a call. So what we're trying to do is, number one, bang, 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 education. Yeah. I had a retired police officer, and we, we involved the police the, the police community and once a month we go to a low-income apartment and we you know bring out hot dogs and everything and try to talk to community but he gave us a real world scenario and he was pretty much we have to know our laws he said our laws are violated African Americans are their laws are violated thousands of times a day we just don't know that yeah we just don't know that and so that's my my calling or not calling whatever you want to call it to get out and educate as many of our people as possible I think it is I think it is because you you bring a like I'm a person where I, I I just and we talked about this before. Like I I would be nervous about a gun. Like I'm you know it just I think and a lot of us are. But it's that knowledge and that education that you bring that takes away that fear and teaching the laws and responsible use removes the fear and what I what I really wanted you to sit in on for is to be that representation that listen there there are people that fully understand what the second amendment is about and they want and if it applies to us notice I said if because <laughs> I, I don't know maybe there, maybe there's separate laws just saying it's another show but I'm saying if they apply to us, then and you're doing it responsibly and correctly and following the laws, then there is no terrorism here. Absolutely. There's none. There's no extremism going on. There is nothing different going on than, say, an, a, a all white gun club doing what they do. And, and ex I, I was I was like at the chick. And say it. I was at the restaurant. Give me some food. I see there were these. There were about five people. Was a couple females and males, and they had the American flag and they had their guns strapped on their backs, and they were standing on a corner and they were waving the flag and they were expressing their right to carry. And you know, no biggie. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, no big deal. Not called. No big deal. And that's all. That's all. You know that that I really. Again, each each show, two hours, sometimes two hours can feel like forever, and sometimes two hours can feel like, oh, my God, we didn't have enough time to cover anything. But what a what an amazing uh, ordeal that you've gone through, uh, Rakim. How are you doing right now? I mean, it's, it's just a couple months out. Well, you know, a month out. I'm definitely, you know, um, still dealing with the recovery phase. Okay. Um, you know, I do have a GoFundMe. You can go find it yeah. with help with the FBI sabotage recovery. Um, um, you, you can definitely find that. 
Um, you know, I, I have, you know, uh, continued to um, work in the community. Um, you know, we have done health and wellness um, events in um, the Highland Hills okay. um, community, um, you know, checking blood pressure and, you know, doing consultation and things of that nature. Um, also, I'm also the founder of another organization which I'm a part of currently um, called Geronimo Tactical. Okay. Where we focus on uh, pretty much, um, you know, self-defense, self-preservation. Okay. Um, you know, um, being, you know, being in being fit, you know, weapons training, uh, things of that nature. So, you know, we have private property uh, out in East Texas where we have our own range. All right. And, you know, we go out there and, you know, train, you know, get some groupings in, go over, you know, situations, scenarios, and, and stuff like that. You know, because, you know, six months without holding a firearm, you know, it's, it seems like it, it's a long time yes, once you is. pick that firearm back up, <laughs> you know. Especially if you're shooting all the time. Right, definitely. you know, and your grouping looks like, mm -hmm. you know, all trash. over the place. Yeah. Right, you know. Well, I need you very quickly to tell people how to get in touch with you. We are, you can find us on Facebook. The quickest way is just uh, go on Facebook, look up Black Gun on Association DFW, uh, send a link once I verify you, you're, you're, you're a part of the group. You, uh, I'll go ahead and give you a mission. Um, I do want to reach out to, uh, to you, my brother, and find out some kind of way that we can definitely, uh, connect and, and, Most definitely. Uh, absolutely. I'm so I'm glad. And I think we're Facebook friends now, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, so yeah, just, um, so definitely just, uh, go out, uh, search that. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Roe Brumfield, uh, on Facebook. Um, definitely want to collab with whoever like-minded individuals. It's out so. there now. Okay, and, I, and I'm going to throw this out here for you guys. Pan-African Connection, July 7th from 5 to 9 p.m. Uh, is it the Joy Year? Am I reading this right? Gorilla Mainframe, 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary. Okay. Live music, food vendors, free for the community. Come on out and you can contact Robert Taylor, 404-923-0591. 404 Woo! Take a breath. <laughs> that, that, I was excited. I kept telling myself I'm not nervous. Right? I, f I felt nervous. I kept saying I'm nervous, I'm nervous. But I, I was just more so turned into excitement for you to be able to come and tell your story so fresh out. Because, again, I was like a little blind mouse coming into it myself. Like, wait, what, what? But I I'm... You know, again, my mission is that people be able to come tell the reality. I'll say it again. Come speak the reality that you're living in this society. Okay? Everybody's is different. And what we've got to have is space and the freedom to do it. The space and the freedom to find a way to make our way. And that's all anyone's asking for. I think that's all that black people have been asking for for so long. It's like, look, don't nobody. There's no, <sighs> revenge. Um, it would, I think, I like to believe that we have an understanding of karma, the law of karma. Okay? And I think that's what's going on in the minds of people who are afraid is you, you recognize the laws of karma. And so there's this thought that someone's going to hand you your karma, but that's not how it works. The universe is going to give you what you need, how you need it, the way you need it, through the conduit. So you can stop expecting it to come from this group of people who are just t taking their energy now and focusing it on their own self-preservation and, and focusing it on the, the positive 
because what you expect and what you fear is what it's almost like you're is a self-fulfilling prophecy that's never going to come and you're living in this preparation and this fear at all times no one's thinking of you like that it ain't that serious it's, it's serious but it ain't you know again the laws of karma are gonna gonna do what they do that's that's what i want to say on that and again my goal is just to you know speak the truth to the power please reach out to me tell me what you thought of the show uh www.mentalspeakradio.com LT at mentalspeakradio.com the show is going to be uploaded to the website uh, for the archive and um, I thank you Rakim Roe thank you Thank you for having us. I think we Thank covered you. everything we Truly wanted to, honor. but man, no, it was, it, I'm telling you, the honors all on this side of the table. I had a whole lot more to say. Just look. <laughs> right, man. But you know when we get two hours, bro. You know right. it is. It, the, two hours did go by pretty fast. It goes right, fast. Right. Everybody says it. There, there's going to be a part two. It's going to be a part two. I got to throw this out here. Coming up Saturday, switching gears, right? With the joy and the pain, we got laughter for you. Hope Flood is coming on the show next Friday. The legendary Hope Flood of Comic View and uh, Deaf Comedy Jam. She'll be here. And uh, myself, Queen Sylvie, and Miss Cotton will be opening for her next Saturday, June 23rd. I got tickets. Holla at you, girl. Um, thank you guys again so much for tuning in each week. D this is what we do here, right? We're going we're gonna to keep giving it to you and keep giving people a voice. And hopefully get our minds and uh, get our emotions balanced. I think that's all I got. Uh, anything else? No? That's all I got. Love y'all. I will see you next Friday. Thank you.